give you love. All right, church, y'all ready for the word? All right, buckle up, buckle up, buckle up. Buckle up, man. My dream one day, man, my dream, I, I, I know it's the Lord's vision that he's given me, has been to, and it's been, man, it, it's been maybe 15 years ago he gave me this, this vision to, uh, to open up something that is called the Freedom Center. Um, I don't know what that looks like. I just know, I, I think I'm having a bigger and better picture of what that looks like uh, each and every time I think about it and meditate on it. But uh, it's a place where people can come who have been hurt or broken, either by the world or by religion. And, uh, and we, the Lord has put together a team of people, I believe, that, that will set them free um, from that bondage that they're in. It's kind of like what, what Paul, what Paul's role was when he came on the scene. Amen. And uh, I believe that there's a there's a need for that now, a great awakening within the uh, within the within the church, but especially within the world. Um, how many of you guys know what the world needs? Right. The world needs something right now. And and and, and I asked the uh, question Wednesday night and everybody. Everybody knows the answer is Jesus. But. What about Jesus? You know, what, what, let's break it down even further. I'm, I would go as far as to say the world does need love because that's also Jesus. Jesus is love, right? But even further than that is I believe that the world needs grace. I believe that the world, world needs to understand what, what grace is, what favor is from the Lord. And that way when we understand it, we can give grace to people. Amen? And it doesn't matter. How many of you guys know grace is unearned favor? That's where you can't earn God's grace. It's given to you through Christ. And so we're going to see this morning um, what that looks like. And uh, will you guys pray with me before we get started? Father, we thank you for your word. It's your word. Father, thank you for speaking through me. Thank you for blessing people through me, Father, with your words. God, we thank you that your word will never, ever change. It's always, always the truth, and it's always on time. Father, thank you for blessing us beyond measure by feeding us this morning. Thank you, Lord, for your great, great wisdom that will come upon us, that we would have clarity, that we would be able to see it, believe it, and go out there, Lord, and activate it in our lives. All because of your love for us. In Jesus' name, let the church say, amen. All right, be amazed by grace. There's one thing we sing the song. Amazing grace, but man, you guys as Christians, even as non-believers, we got to be amazed by grace. We got to step back and go, wow, that is unbelievable. Anybody ever feel that way about God sometimes? Man, honestly, you're like, you see things and you're like, that is unbelievable. There's no way he can be that good. There's no way that could be a coincidence. And sometimes you got to step back and see and be amazed by grace. And I want to show you Paul's dying words. Was Paul a pretty important dude? Yeah, that cat was important, man. He wrote 13 letters. 13 letters. And I believe he wrote the book of Hebrews, but that's my opinion. <laughs> so let me tell you something. He's also in Acts. Right? In Acts, you get to see his story. In Acts, you get to see... From when he became, uh, when he came onto the scene to actually when he died, when he was going to his death, when the Holy Spirit let him know, hey, this is it. Paul's dying words. That was, that's all found in Acts. So let me ask you this. Do you think, how many of you guys have ever been, just think about you, you've been to a family member, man, they're, their last dying words. Do you think they're important? Do you think they're trying to get out the main point? Do you think that they're trying to, that they're trying to tell you sum up everything they've been wanting to tell you. They got to do it like that. That's what happened with Paul. He's found in Acts. He's, he's on his way to die. He's lived his life. He's run his race. And he ran it well. But he's got some words that he's going to leave with what the Bible calls elders, but they're literally, it means pastors. He's, all these pastors, he's trained. He's going. He knows where he's going. They're sad. He's sad because he's leaving them, but he's glad because of where he's going. And so, so, but he's got some final departing words for these guys. Did I build that up enough? Let's look. Acts 20, 24. That's the backdrop to this. Paul says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life 
dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. This is his dying message to his pastor team that's going to carry on. And he's like, man, I'm testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. The grace of God. He doesn't say anything about the law. And you know that, 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 that nowhere in Paul's letters, nowhere does he say to confess your sin. Don't you think if that was a vital piece of becoming a Christian that somewhere Paul would have mentioned it? That's found in 1 John 1, 9, and people have taken that verse and, and, and destroyed it because it was not meant for believers. Now, we confess our sin. I believe that. But we don't confess it to be forgiven, right? We confess it. Why? Because we're forgiven. We're like, thank you, Lord. But we're not begging. Man, you have a, a sense of where you got to beg for forgiveness, and then you're in and out of fellowship based on whether or not you confess your sin. That's a horrible way to live. And some of us have lived that way, in and out of sin, in and out. Man, I'm in, now I'm out of fellowship, now I'm in fellowship. And most people will always tell you, man, it's the big sins, right? It's, the, uh, it's pornography or something. And, you, and you're like, man, I got, I'm struggling with sin, and it's pornography. But no one ever comes up to you and says, man, I'm struggling with sin. It's, uh, <laughs> it's stress. <laughs> stress is a sin. Because the Bible says anything that is not of faith is sin. And stress is not of faith because it's backed by fear. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think the Lord's going to be there for me. He may, he may not be if it's his will. And listen, anything that is not of faith is sin. Now, if you're walking in the light, if you're walking with Jesus, you're in fellowship with Jesus, and then you have sin, now you're not out of fellowship. That kind of teaching is baloney. Because nothing changes with Jesus. Because of what Jesus did for you, you are accepted. You are qualified. You can't lose it. You can't shake it. Just as when you were a sinner, before you came to the Lord, if you're a sinner and you do something right, you open up a door for a lady, you're like, hey, man, I did my right thing today. That does not make you a saint. You're still a sinner. What makes you think that when you are covered by the blood of Jesus, and now you've been called justified, that by doing something wrong, you lose your justification? What you're saying is what the first Adam did was greater than what Jesus did, and that is a lie from hell. You can't shake loose your forgiveness. It's too strong. And that's pride to think that you can do it. You can't. So Paul's dying message to his team is, man, testify to the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news. It's good news. When, when somebody's standing up here telling you how bad you are, telling you you got to get right, that's not good news. The, the gospel is not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's not. People say, you ask somebody, what's the gospel? It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. No, that's not it. That's like a biography of Jesus. It's not the, that's not the gospel. You want to see the gospel? Let me show you something in Acts. This is also Paul. This is one of my favorites. This is the only recorded sermon that Paul gives. It's that time when they say, hey, anybody got anything to say? And Paul's like, yep. <laughs> Acts 13. It's the gospel right here. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. They've never heard that before. They've never heard that before because they're Jewish people, all they know is sacrificing, sacrificing. But through this man, Jesus, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, say by him, him. not by your actions, by him, by him, everyone, everyone, everyone who believes is. Not trying to be, not might be, is right now. Is. Don't skip over words like that. They're important. Is, is means now, presently, right now, I am justified from all things, all things. I don't know what you've done in your past. 
I'm certainly glad there wasn't Facebook back when I was in high school because y'all be able to pull that junk up. And you'd see stuff that I don't think anybody should see. Anybody else got things like that in their little closet? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so don't be judging me. Right? That's, the, that's how it works, those guys. You, you, you start to judge other people to get them off of yours. You're like, hey, don't go in my closet. Look, there's an open one right there. Yeah, that guy. Right? That's religion, man. But when you know you're forgiven, your closet opens up. And God uses the bones in that closet to bless people. Those dry bones become alive. So your past, it doesn't matter in terms of your future, but your past does matter when it comes out and you're able to not be ashamed of it because Christ took your shame and guilt. And instead, it becomes powerful for you to help people, to set them free. Justified from all things which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. The law cannot justify you. You can't keep it. And people say, man, they, I heard that the, the Christian life is hard. I'm like, no, it is impossible. It ain't hard. It's impossible. Only one man could do it. It's a great way to, to share the gospel. Jesus did it. And, and Jesus did it so perfectly that when he comes into us, his perfection makes our imperfection perfect. That's how good it was. That's how good he is. So we can't be justified by trying to keep the law. You can't. You can never do it, church. Stop trying. Just believe in what Jesus did for you. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to those who believe. Question, do you believe? Then Christ is the end of the law for you. You don't have to check those boxes anymore. You can live a life that's exciting. Do I look like a boring Christian to you? No, I'm excited. I'm fired up. I love this stuff. I get more. You could tell. You could probably see that I change when I get up here and I start doing that. I'm down there. I'm a little tired and everything. I'm like, hey, hey, how you doing? But when I get up here, man, I start reading this stuff. It fires me up. But it's not just for me, church. It's for you, too. You could be sitting somewhere at lunch with a partner, a friend, whatever, and and, and, and talking about scripture, and all of a sudden you just start rising up, man. People are like, whoa, bro, decaf. <laughs> right? I'm like, it ain't got nothing to do with the coffee. Amen? All right, here's another thing. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. Now all things are, 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 are of God. All things are of God. All things are of God. Who has, has, tell me church, has, past, present, or future. It's past. God has reconciled us to himself. You're not, you don't have to be reconciled to God by trying to do stuff. You're already reconciled. Stop trying to go where you already are. You're standing in reconciliation. Stop trying to go find it. Right? I, I remember driving around looking for a concert one time. You remember I told you, I'm looking for a concert. I'm arguing with my wife. I'm like, man, this is ridiculous, man. And we, we keep going in circles, and I park in a gas station parking lot. I'm like, where is this place? You know, Man, you know how you get fired up over stuff like that? And you don't even have to have red hair like Bob. You can get fired up. I know Bob will get fired up about that. Miss Debbie said, yep, listen. So, so, yeah, just thinking about it, man, you're like, ugh. So, so you're driving around, and then you realize, you look up, it's right there across the street. It's right in front of you, man. But you're just getting so mad. Driving around like, where? Th listen, you don't have to try to find reconciliation. He has reconciled you through Jesus Christ and has given us that ministry, the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world. Hey, get that. It's not the church. He reconciled the world. The world, right? Uh, where am I? The world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. So when I tell you, church, that God is not holding the world's sin against them anymore, it's right here. 
He's not. Sin's been paid for. They just don't know who paid for it. That's the difference. That's what we got to tell them. Hey, someone loves you enough to pay for your sin. You can't, don't try to get right. You can't. People are like, hey, you got to get right before you come to God. <laughs> okay, I will never see you. How many churches are full of right people? Amen? So, so uh, he's, he's not holding the world's trespasses against him. That's unbelievable. That's not what I was taught growing up in the church. I taught you guys, if you don't have any confessed sins, man, if you got some that are left out there, there's a chance you might not make it in. But why would God, God says, I write these things so that you may know, not that you may wonder. He didn't want you to get up there going, you getting in? I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. And you're like watching people drop up there, man. You're like, oh, snap. <laughs> hey, bro, you go in front of me, man. <laughs> right? That's not how God wants you to live. He wants you to live knowing that you're forgiven. Whoo. Right. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. That's the message they need out there in the world. They need to know, hey, God loves you right where you are. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as, through, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now that's where they take it out of context. We, context. Context. Be reconciled to God. People say you got to be reconciled to God. Wait a minute. Go out and read it in context. Who has reconciled us? When he says be reconciled, he's like, hey, awake to the fact that, you're recon- that you've been reconciled to God. He's not saying try to be. He's saying be reconciled. Man. Put your religion away. Understand that you have been rec- reconciled to God by Jesus. Whoo, just getting started, people. All right. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We, right where you are in Christ, are the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus, where you stand, you are justified from all things. Where you sit, you are justified from all things. You have been reconciled to God. Now that should give you a little bit of hope. That's the gospel. That's the good news that people need to hear. We need to hear it. If we need to hear it on a weekly basis, daily basis, how much more do they need to hear it? Get it together before you come to God is not the gospel. <laughs> people be like, I, I've been in places, man, where, you know, you, you get a, I was telling the youth, a teenage girl that had got pregnant. Like my mom got pregnant with me when she was 16. My grandfather was a Southern Baptist old school preacher. How'd that go? Well, I'm here, so <laughs> I think it went well. <laughs> and so does Kelly. Don't get fooled. <laughs> But I've been there, man, where, the, where the, 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 the pastor will will try to speak about that that being a sin and try to push them out with a sermon, slap 500 people upside the head to get to one. That's not the gospel. That young lady would have been, I'm not pointing to anybody back there, by the way. <laughs> They're like, I ain't pregnant. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> So that, that's the very person that Jesus would have wrapped his arms around, where religion pushes him out. You can't be here unless you get right. Got to confess before you can do something. You confess. I dare somebody to stand up in church one day and say that. When the pastor says, hey, Chandler, you got to confess your sin. Chandler, you stand up and say, you confess yours first, fool. I know, I know, like we got time for that. (laughs) All right, let's go. Uh, Acts 20, back to this final message, right? Back to this final message. He says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord. He received the gospel of grace from the Lord, right? Uh, to, to, To the gospel of grace of God. And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. See, the Holy Spirit already put it in his heart. He knew where he was going, right? Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. 
For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Let me tell you something, man. Some people say you can't just preach, preach grace. You got to preach the whole counsel of God. The whole counsel. What's the whole counsel? It's grace. Look, it says it. It's sandwiched. When he says the whole counsel of God, we just saw in the previous verse the gospel of the grace of God, right? And then he's talking about the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. All right? For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now, these are not real wolves. These are people. Notice that they're coming in. When you're coming in, that means you're not in now. Now, he just told them to stay in the gospel of the grace of God. So if I'm staying in the gospel of the grace of God and a wolf comes in to teach something different, say with the law, right, who has bewitched you that you would go back to bondage? He's talking about don't let people bring the law back in. Stay in the gospel of grace. But see, when I grew up, I was taught that them grace preachers, man, those grace preachers are the savage wolves. See how Satan has twisted that? He's twisted it, man. It's clearly the savage wolves are somebody that's not preaching the gospel of grace. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things. Paul calls them perverts. You know why? You know who he's calling a pervert? Someone that brings the law back into the church. Somebody that brings the law back in and says, no, your, your grace is great, but you still got to do some things. No, more people will do more things if they understand grace. And it won't be to check a box. Paul said, I labor more than all those cats, yet not I, but the grace of God in me. The grace of God in you will cause you to labor more. And you won't be tired. Because you'll be doing what the Lord wants you to do, where he wants you to be. You can hear him clearly. But if you're out there trying to make up for stuff you did in your past, by keeping the nursery, you're going to wear out. In like 30 seconds, one kid starts crying. You're like, yeah, I'm done. You try to give them to your wife because she's in there serving with you. So you bring her, you drag her into it. That's not living a life. That's not a full Christian life. That's a life where you're always having to check a box. You ain't free. You're still in bondage to the law. Whoo. Whoo. All right. Well, therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone, uh, everyone night and day with tears. He would cry. Um. Um, Ivy asked me, why is he crying? Why, why would Paul say tears? Man, because honestly, man, when you understand grace and you see your brothers and sisters out there that you knew growing up in the church and they're in bondage, it breaks your heart. It breaks your heart to know that, that, that they're working their butts off and they're tired and some are falling away. And you're like, man, they, if they just understood grace, if they just understood that grace is not a message it's Jesus. They're just missing it. Broke his heart, man. Right? Uh, so now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. So in between the gospel of the grace of God and the, the word of his grace is the whole counsel of God. So when people take the whole counsel of God and take it out of context, you know they're a wolf. You say Depart from me, wolf. Uh, pervert. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what Paul did. I am not saying to do that. Please understand me. <laughs> it would be awesome if somebody did do it, somebody filmed it. I'm just saying. It would be <laughs> don't, don't, Tyler, don't get any ideas. All right. You respect your teachers. And your mama. And me. So, so now, so now, brother, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Paul's like literally saying, remember, this is dying message. I commend you to the word of God's grace. Not his law, because God has a word of law, too. 
But Paul doesn't mention it. He's talking about the word of his grace. In other words, unmerited, uh, unearned favor. He's like, remember that. Don't remember the law where you have to go out there and earn your forgiveness. You are forgiven by his grace. And when he says by his grace, it means his son. Because of Jesus, you are completely forgiven. Now that gives you power to rise up and go do some stuff. And you're not doing it to check a box. There's nothing powerful about religion. Nothing when it comes to the kingdom. Nothing, right? Now, so, so now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able. What is the word of grace able to do? It's able to build, to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That's what the gospel of grace does. It builds you up. Do you know why Satan hates the gospel of grace? Because it builds the church up. It gives them a heritage. It reminds them of who they are. And Satan hates that. So he raises up religious people that will hate on grace. When grace is the only thing Paul's saying to talk about. He's saying that's what you remember. That's what you do. That's what you meditate on. Satan hates that. But if you just tell people it's grace, 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 they'll just do what they want. Do any of you guys feel like just going out there and doing what you want? No, the more loved you are, the more you will want to live right for the Lord. But if you're trying to earn your way into that love, you are on a repeated rat cycle where you were sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess, sin, confess, and never change, never repent. That's what repent means. When, when he says repent, he's saying change your mind. Stop thinking about this way and start accepting the grace of God. Start accepting what Jesus did for you is good enough. Amen? Woo, for sin shall not have dominion over you. How? How can sin not have power over me? Well, when you realize that you're not under law, but under grace. If you, you preach grace, people will be in sin. No, that's not what the Bible says. See how Satan twists it? He twists it because he knows it will build you up and give you an inheritance. Don't let him do it. Listen, this right here is a powerful verse. But there's another one that says that the power of sin is in the law. So what happens if you remove the law? You remove the power of sin. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. For Christ is the end of the law. He literally removed the power of sin when he died on the cross. Whoa! That just came. That was amazing. That that's what he was doing on the cross, removing the power of sin. That is unbelievable. I'm just taking a second. <laughs> All right. Uh, Exodus. Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, guys, is where what was given? The Ten Commandments. The law that trips everybody up. The, the, the law that people have to memorize in school. I went to vacation Bible school, and they said, you memorize the law, you'll get a candy bar. I was like, well, dang, I can do that. And then I found out all I had to do was ask for the candy bar, and she would have given me one. But I went home studying. You got to get them in order, too. Got to get them in order. I don't think there's a person, I, I'm just willing to bet. Not that betting's good. Is there anybody that can name the Ten Commandments? perfectly in order who, who, who can name more one's good listen who, who can name who can name uh five at least five of them in order in some kind of order it's okay if you can I'm, this is crazy raise your hand if you know what john three sixteen means can you quote john three sixteen? <laughs> you know why that's not that's not by coincidence do you know why it's easier for us to quote john 3 16 than it is to memorize the law because that's where god wants our thoughts he wants our thoughts on that yeah, for for god so loved the world that whoever 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 believes in him shall not die they'll have everlasting life that's how much powerful that's how powerful grace is amen so uh, oh, Exodus, how do we get there? Exodus 20 is where the law was given, right? So the law is given. Uh, Exodus 19, the people tell God, uh, tell Moses, hey, tell God we can do whatever he says. We are, no, they say we are well able to do whatever he says. And God's like, <laughs> okay, Mo. 
tell the people to back up because if they even touch the mountain now, remember, nobody died for, 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 three, for uh, three years. Nobody died. It was like all grace, grace. They complained. He fed them. Complaining's a sin. You brought us out here to die. God fed them. They, they were thirsty. God gave them water out of a rock. So God, God blessed them, blessed them, blessed them. But the moment they stood up in pride and said, whatever God says we can do, we'll do it. God said, really? Here you go. Good luck. Big Ten. Boom. He spoke. And the people were so afraid. They're like, Moses, look, man. Because there was like tornadoes up on the mountain, right? There, there, there's thunder. There's lightning. It, it, scared them to, it scared the crap out of them. And they're like, Moses, please tell God not to speak to us, but to speak to you on our behalf. Moses like, <laughs> they're all scared. But, and he gives them the big ten, and then immediately, immediately, same chapter, last three verses, this is what God says. It's, he just gave the ten commandments. And he says this, an altar of earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you, and I will bless you. He will bless them because of a sacrifice. In the same chapter, he gives the Ten Commandments, which Paul calls the ministry of death, the ministry of condemnation. He gives you life through a sacrifice. That is talking about Jesus in the same chapter. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone, for if you use your tool on it, you'll have profaned it. What does that mean? That means if you do it in your own effort, you will profane the sacrifice. What does that tell us about Jesus today? You, some people are trying to do it in their own effort, and they're profaning what Jesus did on the cross. Last verse of chapter 20. It's unbelievable. Now, nor shall, shall you go up by, by the steps to my altar that your nakedness may not be exposed on it. You could not go before God because nakedness is a picture of sin. It's not like these cats literally got undressed and walked up the mountain. Listen, they, their nakedness is a picture of sin. And God didn't want to see it. Because Jesus hadn't come yet. Jesus hadn't come yet. That's chapter 20. What is the very first judgment after the, after the Ten Commandments? Anybody know? Very first judgment. Because people say, Ten Commandments, man, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. Man, God is so hard, man. Right? The world thinks God's hard. The world thinks it's impossible to come in here. So very first commandment, very next verse, very next chapter, he gives this. Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free and pay nothing. Right? If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife, and he has born, and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her, ma her masters, right? Be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. Crazy. Um, but if the servant plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free, then his master shall bring him to the judges, he shall also bring him to the door, or to the door post. Come on, Christ said I am the what? What? He's the door. He's the door. Bring him to the door post, and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. This church is a picture of Jesus. Jesus came down to this earth. He came down to this earth. He didn't have a wife yet. He came down to this earth. And, and, and his master, God, gave him a wife, the bride. The bride, his wife. And, and, and then, and then he's, like, he's like, well, I could go free in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's like, Lord, if it's, if it's your will, take this cup from me. He had a choice, but he looked in that cup, and he saw his bride. He saw his bride, and he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he got up, and he willingly went to the cross for his bride. 
So he comes back, right? He plainly says, I love my master. Who in the world, what slave would say, I love my master ahead of my wife? Only Jesus would do that. He says, I love my master. I love my wife. I love my children. And I will not go out free. I will go to the cross. And he's serving forever. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. He's still serving. John talks about in Revelation, he's wearing a servant garb. He's still serving today. That's who he is. People are like, you can't, you, you got to serve God. That's pride. That's pride. Let him serve you first, then you understand what it means. Luke says this, then he said to them, oh foolish ones, you remember when Jesus was walking on the road to Damascus and he's got these two cats and they're like, Who are you? where you been? I heard this yesterday morning, completely different story, right? I'm thinking, oh, tell them this, right? Tell them this. What, what, when we look at the Old Testament, how do we preach from the Old Testament? We preach the things concerning Jesus. Where do we get that from? This is the road to Damascus. He, he, said, he said, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets. Listen, Moses is the first five books of the Bible. All the prophets are the rest of the Old Testament. And, he, and all through that time, he's expounding to them in all the scriptures the things concerning Jesus himself. And can you imagine, I asked the youth Wednesday night, I'm like, wouldn't you have loved to have been on that seven-mile walk? It was a seven-mile walk. He could have walked. He's going back. All this stuff we learn right in here, we're seeing Jesus everywhere. He is all up in the story of Joseph. Joseph is actually a type of Jesus. And then, and then, and then you, look at, uh, you look at all the, the furniture in the uh, in the in the in the temple, they're all a picture of Jesus. Like he was telling them all this stuff. And he's like, they, they were like. Can you imagine? And so that's how we preach from the Old Testament. So when we go back and we read Exodus 21, we know, man, this is about Jesus. Jesus plainly said, I'll go to the cross. I'll die for my bride. I will. And I'll remain a servant forever because I love him. I love them. They, you gave them to me. I love them. Doesn't it feel good to be loved that much? Doesn't it feel good to know that he saw you in that cup and he got up and went to the cross anyway? Suffered the most horrific death ever recorded in history because he loved you. Not because he wanted you to do something. God doesn't want robots. He wants you to love him because you want to love him. And the more you see him in scripture like this, the more you understand that love. And then you can love people that way. All right, last part. Colossians 2.13, I'm going to show you what Satan does. Because he uses the law. He brings it, he's like a savage wolf. He brings it back in. He says, hey, don't forget this. The word says this. Yeah, when people say Jesus himself said this, I always say, was that before the cross or after the cross? Because that matters. Because when he died on the cross, it changed everything. You got to follow the, the, the words in red because <laughs> Jesus said them. Jesus said every word in the Bible. <laughs> Not just the red ones. He is. He said, it. he's like, man, you guys changed the font. <laughs> it's still the word. Right? And it says, and you being dead in your trespasses. And the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all of your trespasses, all of them. You are completely having forgiven. Past tense. Right where you sit, you're forgiven of all your trespasses. Past, present, future. That's how powerful that was. Look, and, 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 and you being dead in your trespasses. Dead in your trespasses. Now, Paul he goes on to explain this a little bit more eloquently in Ephesians. So that's why I want to show you Ephesians 2. But God, but, I said this Wednesday night, this is the greatest two words in the Bible. Because <laughs> you can say, Pastor Troy, I'm feeling sick. But God, Pastor Troy, I got some stuff coming up this month. I don't know what's going to happen. But God, 
I've been praying for this, and, and, and it doesn't feel like it's going to happen. But God, just but God. Somebody ever comes up to you with something, man, that looks like doubt, looks like fear. Look him in the face, say, but God. Amen? We could have just said that today and walked out of here and been happy. That's where you go, no, try keep preaching. We love this stuff. <laughs> you got 10 minutes. <laughs> Somebody wants to put a counter back there. I'm like, you can put a counter back there, but I don't know who's going to be looking at it. But God, who is rich in mercy, rich, the word mercy there is the same word used for grace, rich in mercy. Why? Because of his great love for which he loved us. Even when we were dead in trespasses. Now, when did God have great love for you? When did that happen? When did God have great love for you? It says it. But because of his great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sin, when you were in your sin, he loved you. He didn't love you because you got out of your sin. He didn't love you because you're perfect. He didn't love you because you kept the law perfectly. He loved you when you were dead in your sin. That's how much he loved you. He didn't wait for you to get better. He didn't wait for you to earn his love. He loved you when you were dead in your sin. That is unbelievable because we don't understand that kind of love. We love people based on what they can do for us. He loves us based on what he could only do for you. That's some good news. Imagine if you treated your wife that way, man. Imagine if you treated your husband that way, ladies. We all need somebody like that. I, I tell ladies all the time, man, you need a man. You need a man who's sensitive. You need a man, not any man, who's sensitive. That's what I can give. Y'all know that song? Dwayne and I do. He showed it to me last night. I ruined Pastor Dwayne last night, boy. I showed him some music. He's like. <laughs> Your two pastors last night were jamming out on the way home, boy. <laughs> Where were we? When they get in a spot like this, go back to Scripture. Look. <laughs> and Oh, he made us alive when we were dead. That's awesome. We were dead. He made us alive. Because he loved us. Keep it all in order. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. By grace. And raised us up together. Raised us up. Church, we are raised up. And I, one day we'll be raised up. You're raised up right now. You are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Woo! Amen. And, 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 and raised us up together. And made us. He made us sit together in the heavenly places. In Christ Jesus, that's where we're seated. We may be on this earth, but man, we are from supernatural. We speak when we pray. We pray as if we're seating with Christ in heaven. We're in the world, we're not of it. We're seated in the heavenly places. People say that's crazy stuff. No, that's the word of God. And when you start to believe it, you'll start to have that power that, 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 that we've heard about all these years. This is it. Back to Colossians. We're done. All right? And you being dead, you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive, has made alive, together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was contrary to us, which was contrary. See it right there, right? So, so he wiped out his handwriting. See, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, men put a sign up there, King of the Jews. Put, that's the handwriting that man put on there. But you know what God put on the cross? The Ten Commandments. That was his handwriting because what Christ was doing was cleaning up, finishing, perfecting the law for us. So God nailed that to the cross. He nailed his own word, his own handwriting. In Scripture, where's his handwriting? The only place you're going to find it, two places, but one was on a wall. The handwriting we're talking about here in the context is the law. God wrote the law, etched it in stone, didn't write it with ink, because you can erase ink and you can put what you want to put in there. That's what religion does. God wrote it in stone. 
so it couldn't be erased. And so for years, for years, that law was in place. But on the cross, God nailed it to the law. And that's why Jesus said, it is finished. What is the it? Did you ever think about that? What is the it is finished? That would be important to know. That means you trying to get perfect before God by keeping the law finished. Bam. That was the biggest mic drop ever right there. The whole world shook when that mic hit the ground. Boy, I am so happy right now. I mean, I really preached myself happy. It's unbelievable. You're just in awe of how good he is, man. Last verse, having disarmed principalities and powers. One time, Satan had a weapon. See, disarmed means that he had a weapon at one time. He's been disarmed, church. What was that weapon? The law. He would use it to knock you upside the head. Hey, you call yourself a Christian. You didn't keep this one. Well, guess what? We're not under law. Paul said that in Romans 6, 14. You are not under law. You're under grace. Don't let Satan come in here and try to put you back under there like a savage wolf. Like someone who can bewitch you with the law. Because it's not true, man. He disarmed them, having made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. You read the commentaries on that last part of that verse. It's unbelievable. Back in the day, if you were at war, the general would would take the the people that he conquered and and make them butt naked and and, and drag them through the streets. Showing victory over them, nakedness. Like the most shameful thing you could do to a, a general in an army. And they would drag him through the streets. When Christ died on the cross and God nailed the law to the cross, that's what happened to Satan. That's what happened to Satan through the streets of heaven. I don't believe Satan can ever go back to the third heaven. But I believe in the, in the universe heaven, the second uh, level of heaven. I believe that Satan was drugged through those stars, man. And I believe that everybody saw him defeated, defeated. That made him mad. That's why he came down here. And he's still working today. But he ain't everywhere at one time because he's not God. He's over there somewhere, I believe, in the Middle East, raising up the next Antichrist. But he does have principalities and powers because a third of the angels fell. A third, there's still two-thirds that are for you. How many like those odds? Don't even think about the angels. All you need is one man. You just need one man representing you. And you have him. Beautiful. Last thing. Stand up, church. Stand up and let's repeat this. Repeat this. Read it after me. Let's go. Read it with me. I am forgiven of all my sins. Praise Jesus. That's what he did for you on the cross. That's what the world needs to know. They need to see that you mess up and that it's okay. They need to know that that Christ will love them that way too. That they can't get perfect because you're not perfect. Stop trying to be perfect. Be you. Be the one that you got to live your best life. Be you, church, and be comfortable there. Be comfortable that, you're, that, you, that you fail all the time. It's not a bad thing. It's something that God will use to make a good thing out of. Let the world see that we're not perfect. That's how they'll come to know. The Bible says they will know me by the love, right, that you have for others. Yeah. They'll see Jesus in you. It's not your job to save people. That's the Holy Spirit's role. Mm-hmm. He goes out before you and draws them in here. And then Jesus, just the love of Jesus overwhelms them. Stop trying to save people with your words. Show them. Amen? Amen. Yes, Lord. All right, I'm going to bring Pastor Dwayne up, man. Amen. You've been blessed by the word, church? Amen. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today, Lord. We thank you for the life, God, that we receive from it. Thank you for reminding us of your word, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your amazing grace. Your word says that we have been saved by grace through faith. Your grace is amazing. So, Father, my prayer is that you would help us to be amazed by that grace. Father, help us to keep our minds and our thoughts focused on the gospel of grace. The gospel of Jesus Christ, 
Father, thank you for your grace that is so abundant and that your word says you make to abound toward us. Your word says that even where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. It super abounds. It exceeds it, Father. So, Father, we thank you for that abundance of grace in our lives, God. Thank you that as we leave this place, Father, we are fully equipped and covered by the grace of God. Your word is in our mouths and in our hearts and in our minds, oh God. So as we leave this place, Father, don't let us leave the word here, but let, it, let us take it with us in our hearts and minds and in our mouths. And let us speak it out. Let us spread this good news, this gospel of grace, the grace of God. That's so amazing. And Father, let others who hear this word, Father, be amazed by your grace by your goodness, by your mercy, by your love, your unconditional love that you have for us. Your word says that, that, that the Lamb of God was slain before the foundations of the world. You've always, always had us in mind. You've always had a way of escape. You've always had a plan to redeem us. Thank you for loving us so much that you had it all taken care of before we even got here. So, Father, thank you for just being mindful of us, for preparing a way for us. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to you, comes to the Father except through you. You've earned that. And so we just give you the honor and the worship and the praise that's due to your name. We glorify and magnify your name. And we thank God for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Come on, let the church say amen. 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 We are dismissed.